in this week's episode of Show Notes. Please feed me to the plant. If it's the only thing that I can do for you this evening, I will be sustenance for the plant. This story would have never been made into the film it is unless someone took on a bet. Mm. Oh, he just dropped the most thirstiest, wetening trap I've ever seen in my entire life. There is no way that man is as old as he is. And I'm upset. <gasps> and I'm thankful. We've got magic to do just for you. It's so weird to live the same day twice. <laughs> I recently went to Ireland on a family vacation and it was, I mean, an experience that I am so unbelievably grateful that I was able to have, that I got to have it with my family. There were things that we saw, food that we tasted, you know, people that we spoke to. Like it was just, it made it, it was so eye-opening to be able to go across the pond and to be able to like see all of these really cool things. I literally went somewhere that's green, which I thought was very, very, uh, adorably topical. yeah topical very much so uh i went back to my roots if you will if we're gonna pull in the, the plant puns um it is so bizarre to have lived the same day twice i have traveled to more countries just flying than i actually like have visited uh first thing i will say don't ever fly air canada Ever, never, ever. And that might be a hot take, but I'm never. Secondly, I went to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Norway in this entire trip that we took for 10 days. Because, but did you go to Canada? Uh, you know what? I flew out of Toronto. Yes, I did. Oh, so, okay, great. So Canada too. But, you know, <laughs> we, we had to fly from Ireland to Amsterdam and then Amsterdam to Salt Lake City. So we got further away from everything just to go back to it. So, like, I was probably up for 26 hours yesterday. <laughs> Oh, so you're dead. Like, feed you to the plants. Please feed me to the plant. If it's the only thing that I can do for you this evening, I will be sustenance for the plant. My God, I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to be delirious, I think, the whole time. Are you still drunk? <laughs> I did have quite a bit of whiskey, and I did learn history about whiskey, which was very, very cool. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably still drunk. Perfect. Well, let's get uh, let's get Audrey too drunk. I guess that'll be a nice little kickoff. So let's take this show from, from the, the top. top. From the top, a five, six, seven. Oh my God! Oh my God! You guys wait for me. I'm Michael in the bathroom by himself. Nobody's perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of From the Top, your favorite musical theater cast and review. My name is Mary. And I'm Steven. Yes. Oh, my God. I was wondering, because you did the, the Audrey Lisp the last time, so I was mm -hmm. curious to mm -hmm. see which, which you would do. Uh, tonight. Well, uh, folks, of course, you know, on the marquee, we are finishing up our discussion of the one, the only Little Shop of Horrors, the musical. And of course, you know, last time we had the wonderful, beautiful, fabulous uh, guest Errol Koch in studio to be able to give us the Hoover Dam 
years worth of oh, <laughs> information. Oh, that damn broke, babe. <laughs> oh man, he was. He said he was trying to eke it out. I going back and listening to that two part episode was wild because, like, this is why I really. Uh, it, it comes back to the reason why I love doing the show with you, and then bringing in guests who like offer different perspectives. There, there is not one piece of that conversation that I would have legitimately thought about had it not been for the two of you. Like the thing that stuck with me the most is the idea that Audrey's dream is mediocrity. And that is like wormed its way into my brain and won't leave me alone. It's wild. Right? I, just to put yourself in a place where suddenly you go, huh, all I want is, is, is normalcy. Yeah. And just, yeah. I just want to wake up and and live and feel normal. Like how how awful is that? But how weird is that? Some people that's their nightmare. Like they don't yeah. want that. Usually when you're in her that place that she wants to get, that's when you want to dream to get out of that. It's just crazy. Yeah. And the the idea of um, you know, when Errol was talking about when he was gonna when he directs it, that Audrey too is the hero of the story, that like they've you know, the aliens have looked down on Earth and they're like, You all are eating each other, like we're just here to save you. That legitimately broke my brain a little bit. Actually a lot of it. I'm gonna say it was a lot of it. God, it was it was very tasty, it was very nourishing. <laughs> 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 a great meal for Miss Audrey, too. So, such a good meal. Because we covered the gambit of, like, that entire show. Stem, yeah. Stem, stem to leaf? What is that? Yeah. Stem okay. to leaf, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what else there really is to talk about, but I will get into some of it. But before we move on to our notes from a director, I wanted to give a shout out. We uh, had a little guest spot on um, Life's But a Song Pod with we John Barney. Again. We sure did. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was celebrating his 250th episode, so congratulations, Yay, Mr. John. John. And um, they covered a show that is so near and dear to my heart, mm-hmm. uh, The Wizard of Oz. And uh. we got to be able to guest, but like, he got some like legit peeps. He got the oh, cast of Wicked on Broadway currently to come in and do clips, and I'm oh. like, my my voice is on the same thing as that. Like, ooh, I feel right? so special. Right. But it's a, I listened to that entire episode that he gave and it is it is a plethora of knowledge he has a very fun guest host on and it it is um it's worth a listen so if you haven't checked him out please look him up life's but a song pod at but a song pod on instagram yes uh, it's just amazing well i guess going on to little shop of horrors the mm-hmm. the thing is there wasn't a lot to correct but you know i can always give some notes so oh, let's please uh... <laughs> please do it i am your vessel give me your notes <laughs> Of course. So why don't we go on to notes from a director? If it isn't asking too much, will you please show me a little? All right, now, once again, give it something. I'm so excited to hear your notes. Gimme. I have, I have but, I have but two. Oh, it was a light day. That means we, that means either the director wasn't paying attention or that we did a really good run through. You know, it could have been both. It could have been. been both. Could have been both. My head was down in my snack bag the whole time. Um. Okay, an essential thing for rehearsals is a snack bag. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got to oh, have yeah. one. But when the snacks are impeding the helpfulness <laughs> to the <laughs> team. I yeah, mean, we're not going to talk about the logistics of the snack bag. <laughs> we're just going to talk about how important it is to have one. You know, sometimes uh, that Twizzler was the cost of a note. You, you know? know, I mean, probably. <laughs> it's but it's probably fine. It's fine. Starburst or 
uh, choreography mishap. Who Ooh, knows? So. Yeah, because then you'll be like, I gave you that note. And everyone's like, no, you didn't. You're like, oh, right. No, the starburst. Didn't. It got me. Yeah, the starburst. <laughs> <laughs> also, I apologize in advance if I start sounding like trash because, you know, going across the pond and being in recycled air with, you know, five flights over and four flights back. Um, it, my my brain and my sinuses and everything is just sounds like trash. So I, I apologize in advance. There might be sniffles and coughing and oh, my. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> like, what else follows that? Like, melting witches in ruby slippers, I think, uh, is what follows that. I so, mean, obviously. Yeah. So, the the only big note, something that was missed, sure. something that, you know, maybe was brought up to talk about, you randomly asked and said, I wonder what the differences are in between the original because there's two versions of this that are available i did say that on mtishows.com yeah and what are the differences between this larger bigger version sure there's a regular version and a broadway version well i'm here to help you Ah, i love you so much (laughs) (laughs) so honestly really not that much of a difference the story is still the same the lines are all the same sure what they did is when you take something from a tiny little studio stage right to a huge nice lovely large (laughs) sprawling broadway stage 1500 seat theater Yeah, you need to sort of up the orchestrations. So the biggest difference is opening number. It was originally half as long. Oh. But they wanted to showcase a lot of their entire cast right away in this big ensemble number and just have everything happen. So that's number one that's big. Also, the opening of Act 2 is massively shorter in the studio version. The only other thing is they bumped up, for whatever reason, the key to the dentist song. Interesting. Other than that, like they had to add length to, you know, for set changes, they had that scoring underneath had to be lengthened. Sure. That's really the only thing that's majorly different. Okay, sure. So no story things are big. It's just if you have the space and you have a larger stage, I would suggest maybe going for the Broadway version. Otherwise, you're going to be probably running over people's toes trying to get things off the stage in a fast and timely manner. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for fi- for figuring that out for me. I appreciate that. I didn't think you yeah. would do that. <clears throat> but uh, then as I was looking this up, uh, it was fun sort of seeing people's comments on the differences. And so one of them I found uh, happens to come from Reddit. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it was someone someone's opinion on what this was. People generally overall do not like this 2003 revival. Oh, interesting. Really? On Broadway just because of of uh, the stylistic changes. And uh, what was the what was the comment? They said it, they took the garage band feel sort of that <laughs> cult uh, of Little Shop and they made it Broadway. I mean, go figure. You're on a, you know. Weird. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. The quote reads as such. It's worth noting that Howard Ashman really didn't like the changes made for the film, and so I doubt he would have cared for the changes made for the 2003 production either. I'm definitely biased, but I don't see any reason to use the 2003 version unless you have a massive set and need the extra music to cover moving set pieces. I think it sounds way too overproduced and pop and loses all the intimacy that makes the show work. Whoa, okay. 
An interesting yeah, perspective. But isn't that the version that you for mm-hmm. for like the comparison? Did you have a feeling that it was just totally off the mark? Not really. With things like that, I can usually clock in the shows that we've talked about where things get inserted to be able to do things like cover costume changes, scene transitions, etc. But um, no, I mean, I I felt like the yeah the version that we watched had a really good flow to it. So. I mean, there wasn't anything that, like, stood out to me as, like, oh, that's, you know, clearly, you know, either lacking or, you know, like, too much. But um, did yeah. that actually make sense? Because I feel like my my brain thought it was a good <laughs> thought, and then it came out of my mouth and went, that's not real. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., in Ireland time. So like I'm still half of my brain is still over there while still being here. It's so weird. It oh my god, doesn't, it's weird. Doesn't, doesn't that suck? Just by the time you lose the jet lag and you acclimate to the time yes. in which you're there. Yes. Then you have to go back, back again? <laughs> yes. I I like it's there are so you know, I mean you and I have made the comment before that we'll say something and we can be so smart and it's like my god I'll listen to some of our conversations and I go whoa that was such a great thing that we just said and then I listened to our episode our coverage of this our two part and there was a comment that I opened my mouth and said something and I'm listening to it and I just went Mary were you actually in the same room as these people or did you just need to say something to make sure you knew you were present (laughs) sometimes I can be so eloquent and then there are some times where I open my mouth and I'm like I'm it's just like literally nothing there's nothing here my mouth does not connect to my brain and it was watermelon rutabaga aardvark Peas and carrots, peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. But really, though, it's about that. That I'm like, oh, look, she looks like she's talking. And then nothing came out of her mouth. So good. (laughs) Well, actually, that was a great segue. Because the only other bullet point I have is... (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) He, not she. And that's as far as I got in the writing. So I must have been busy. I, I know, I remember thinking, oh, I meant he, not she, implying, I think it was Seymour, but I said she, or there was something like that. I and think. I, I can't. Well, yeah. And so I was like, well, great. You know what? If you're listening and you know exactly what I'm talking about, slack into my DMs yes. on Instagram at from the top underscore podcast. We'll correct it in another show. Notes. We'll correct it together. I'm pretty sure there I'm was like, a. I know. Yeah, there was a moment that either it was either you or Errol like had dropped the incorrect pronoun for something in reference to like Audrey too, but like it was the he she thing because the voice is male, but yeah, it was something something along that line. But but yes, (laughs) or you can email us at podcastfromthetop at gmail dot com if you can't or don't want to slide into a DM and you want to have a little bit more of a lengthy conversation, you can do that as well. (laughs) Feed me, feed me. Oh God. Well, that's all I have for notes from a director. But again, if you noticed anything that we said was wrong or if you listeners out there know something is just completely off, please reach out to us. We are always happy to correct. We love a note. We do. We can take a note. (laughs) If there was anything we didn't talk about in this show, (laughs) uh, I guess uh, it should be covered in our next segment. Uh, Just don't let me fall asleep and scream too loud in our actor's nightmare. 
were there any screaming goats in Ireland? So there were no screaming goats in Ireland, but that was in fact the sound that my brain made when Air Canada told us that we would not be flying until the following day to Ireland. And then when we got to uh, the airport on Sunday to try to fly back Sunday, and then Air, Air Lingus went, oh, you're not ticketed for this flight. You have no flight home. <laughs> so that was just the screaming goats that went in my brain. Yeah, that was that was the cacophony of goats for sure. Yeah. Anyway, one day, one day we'll I'm taking you with there. me. I told you that. So you can go, go. I love it. Meet the Irish dancers cuz they were lovely. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. Yes. Let me just mm. 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 Uh I have nothing. Oh, well. I have absolutely nothing. Okay. Because we truly did cover this whole show in, in really? like, its entirety. I, I do not know of a topic that wasn't covered. Like, literally everything from the capitalism themes to any other potential theme that was there. Errol even brought up this Cold War era. And so we mm-hmm. even talked about, like, maybe thing when this original stuff was written. So we couldn't really... Everything was shrouded in symbolism, so you didn't want to be called a commie, so you you had to put it into an abstract film interpretation. So yeah. <laughs> literally everything from point A to point B to point C to all the way to Z yep. has been covered. Yeah. Maybe even sub double A. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I feel like we we did the show justice, and I really I, I think I'm so. proud of us for that. Yeah. But I was like, I want something in this. I yeah. want something in this segment. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pop a few uh, fun facts just about the overallness of oh. the life and lore that is Little Shop of Horrors. I, you know that I love a little FF, a little fun fact. So this was, at the time, Warner Brothers' biggest and most expensive film they'd ever put on. Oh, 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 oh. it was 1982, right? 1982? Yeah. Yeah, that I is got different. Wow. I got different numbers from a couple different sources. Um, that was the end hard number. Sure. And I was like, how is it possible that there's conflicting numbers? But yeah. the one I believe <laughs> uh, is uh, it was the equivalent of $30 million nowadays. Oh my God. At the time, that's what it cost to put it on. Sure. And I don't know. It just, it felt, it feels weird. So I might want to double, ch- this might be the, one of the first times I'm actually going to like show notes of show notes sure. and try to figure out and pin this down. Yeah. But um, that's the number I got. TBA. TBA, but- TBD. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and I was trying to look, where would all of that money been spent? You the know, talent, it's, maybe? It's just, like The talent? I mean, they got some some good names. But you have to assume that for the time, like, that would be, that that seems to track. Because you've got people like, you know, Steve Martin, Rick Moranis. Like, those are two really big kind of names in the 1980s. Because then, you know, Rick Moranis goes on to do um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And, uh, you know, Steve Martin was in everything. So, like, you know, he was a huge comedic powerhouse. So like yes. I would I would have to assume that most of the budget went to that and then I mean for the 1980s like the special effects and building the plant and right. doing I, all know, that that plant to have to stand the test of time and still be one of a kind and literally not able to be recreated. Yeah, absolutely. It, it apparently took six different major animatronic puppets. Wow. And then, or was it eight? Because there was also six, it took six people to operate this thing. Oh my God. In its, in its <laughs> large entirety. Yeah. Shit. At the very final, it was six different people running different points 
<laughs> That's just, wild. Just get the mouth to open. <laughs> feel good about it, yeah. But um, the other funny thing was most of the props, too, within this show were all thrifted from New York City. No way! And so in the original Broadway production, they decided to keep it that way. Aww. And they thrifted all of, like, the side props from lo- local thrift stores in New York City. So that's they kept so that cool. tradition alive too. Neat. So that was really fun. And that just falls in line again with people who love this show like to keep the old ways going with it too. Sure. So you don't you don't really cut, you always pay homage and that's that's always fun. Well, and homage. I think that I mean that speaks to also to the um the theme of the show where it's like you start with you start with nothing and you can always make something from nothing like you know like Seymour's living in a basement of the shop and you know Audrey thinks that you know Oren's is going to be as good as she ever gets and like everything is just it it is good for what it is right now and that's how I start my life is you know I'm I'm not for the finer things I'm just taking what I need to be able to get by that's oh man that's cool i love that little fun fact i love that yeah of the original film bill murray that little guest spot yes. he apparently improvised all of his lines <laughs> <laughs> would totally believe that 100 percent. absolutely oh yeah so i love it and then apparently like i i i had never put this together but I, of course it makes sense frank oz was apparently the um like the original voice of Miss Piggy. <laughs> Which I was like, that's amazing. I Shut never put that up. together. Oh my God. I mean, I knew the puppet connection, but I didn't know he actually voiced like different, right. you know, Muppets. So that's fun. <laughs> so maybe one of the most fun facts that I found came from the building of this original 1960s film. Mm, okay. This story would have never been made into the film it is unless someone took on a bet. No way. Tell me more. There was this idea that had been going around with the show. Screenplay was written, like all of it was ready and set to go. But they were wishy-washy on it because it was originally from this, you know, weird little seven-page short story (laughs) sure but the original director roger corman had bet his brother that he could create this entire film in the final week of 1959 what what now this was also midweek he had about two to three days to film stems to stem to stern this entire original 1960 film wow okay he gathered everything together they were he was scrappy with it so he rehearsed the cast while sets were being like put together an intensive monday to when or monday to wednesday rehearsal shooting it all on thursday and a friday shut up what Okay, that's kind of cool though that that's pretty that's pretty damn cool actually so he won Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently technicality, so they called it a wash. Oh. Uh, He, he, because he had to do some reshoots. Uh Uh-oh. So the brother was like, no, you can't do that. You have to, you know, like, like you would. Right, of course. (laughs) Those damn reshoots don't get you. I'm still going to give props to be like, hey, you got, you rehearsed this in three days got your sets built and like resourced everything 
can as you quickly as you could oh uh, I, I could not uh -uh. the clo closest thing i can i can even come to that have you ever done a wet ink festival or like you go audition and then you're immediately cast and the there is in a group and there's no there's mm -hmm. no script but you have your like three or four other actors that you're going to be working with and then you have a 24-hour turnaround from the second you walk in and like this event starts from being cast in shows to you someone has to write the show you then get the script and you have to memorize and then you have to perform it the next night. I think I saw a documentary on HBO about that, but I've never been part of one. And I, I don't know if one. I have you. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. That's it's, crazy. It's That's crazy. It's insane. And it, like, it's amazing just like what pressure and like what creativity can do. Yeah. So it's just sort of fun to even know that layer of this entire story. Wow. Because it became the icon that it is based upon this original cult classic in 1960. Sure. Because of all this. So like, I, I just love that little fact about it. Man, so, that is so cool. Uh, that's really all I got for uh, Actors Nightmare. Just some really fun facts yeah. about this show that maybe we wouldn't have gotten to cover otherwise. But that's so I don't mean. know. Again, I'm just going to say it. I'm proud of our coverage of this show. I think we Same. talked about every nook and cranny and all the characters were given yes. justice. And we ebbed and flowed in and out. And it was great. So. I thought it was delightful. I, it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was delicious. Now feed me. <laughs> well, I, I, I only have I only have whiskey. I don't actually eat food anymore. I just drink. So uh... feed me whiskey, Mary. <laughs> Did I get stutter? Me drunk. Get me drunk. Do you think that Audrey too could actually get drunk? Do you think? <laughs> I don't know, but I think we can try. Woo! <laughs> Let's give Feed it a go. Feed me, Mary. Oh. Feed me whiskey oh. all night long. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're so boss at, you know, covering this musical. Doing our stuff. I think we need to try to be as boss uh, in trying to do a quick cast. Uh, when you and I were talking about this, you know, uh, we were just kind of talking about which characters we actually really want to, like, focus in on this quick cast. Because, like, we know from MTIShows.com that your your call sheet is pretty small. Um, I mean, your real main players are people like, you know, Seymour and Audrey and, like, Mr. Mushnick. But then you get to, like, Oren Scrivello DDS. Because if I don't say that, Errol will get mad. Uh, he won't get mad, but it would be very funny because he, you know. Oh, he will. He, yeah, somewhere he's like, she didn't He'd add. be the director's note. He would be, he would give, he would be the director's note, absolutely. It's hard. This one was hard, but so easy in the same way. Oh, yeah, totally. So I think we need to hone this in, okay. and we're going to focus okay. on our four main players here. Fab. We've got Seymour. We have Audrey. We've got the dentist, and we got Mr. Mushnick. Love that. I love a quick, quick cast. That's delightful. I think we should start with options with our cornerstone. We need a good Seymour. Okay. Who do you think would play Seymour? Now, we went as bold as to claim Rick Moranis is Seymour. Right. So how are we going to play with this? How, who do you think could be the next one and only Seymour? 
I mean, we've done a lot of these quick casts and, you know, there's only so many people that you'll be able to cast until at a certain point, you kind of got to just like roll them back around again and, you know, try to insert people into different things. But um, you know what? My first my first kind of gut feeling about Seymour, I would love um, Noah Schnapp to play Seymour, who was in Stranger Things. And he's the cute yeah i think he would make an excellent seymour um because he's you know he's got the um the naivete he's got the look but he's got the ability to kind of have a range when it comes to um you know playing the role i think would be incredible the only i mean because of course i'm pulling from beetlejuice because i follow all these people on instagram (laughs) um there was a um a vacation swing that was working with Beetlejuice on Broadway. And his name is Sean McManus. If you look up Sean McManus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would. I don't know. Like, I think he would also bring a lot of really good dynamics. And again, he's got the look, but he's, you know, I I think. And he also has the pipes to be able to sing it. Because I think with your Seymour, Seymour's got to be able to musically hold this. Even though we said that this show was like between a three and a five. But, you know, of all three of us, like whatever we rated it. Like, I think if you're going to put this on a Broadway stage, you've got to have somebody that can go your 1500 seat theater, right? Oh, so 100. I mean, I feel like those um, those are my two. Um, we're doing this in a very different way because normally I come to you with these things, but I feel like no. we're on a directorial team and we're just having a conversation. Well, the, I, I'm almost like this one's hard. Like Seymour's hard because it, it just like we love an Ellen Green as as an Audrey. We do. Like, the, these people are just cemented in our minds as these people. And so how do you how do you move on from that? So I almost just like giving these options and then maybe we'll see where the pieces fall. Sure. sure. Um, but I the other thing that's coming to mind, like I know Jeremy Jordan is now currently having a re he's back on off Broadway doing this yep. currently. Yep. There's something weird that hits me about him playing this role. Cause like I'm a Jeremy Jordan stan, <laughs> but like I I do not see him as this like timid waif of a human Sure. that that I'm just like, I don't. Okay. But you're Jeremy Jordan. (laughs) I don't buy it, but I buy into you. So I will do it. (laughs) I I will still buy a ticket to come watch you. The other one who's always featured, uh, Oh no, I'm blanking on his name. Who was your roommate's obsession for spring awakening? Oh, Matt Doyle, Matt Doyle. Oh, was yeah. the original Seymour when this uh, premiered up Broadway yep. in his most recent depiction. And that's the, that's the version I watched in prep for this, this sure, show. And sure. he did phenomenal. I mean, it's Matt and Doyle. so <laughs> I'm highly going to advocate for Matt Doyle. But he, I, I think he gives a little little bit of nerd yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say I want almost like a, we'll call it a Superman effect. I want... Uh, him to be so nerdy yet if you took off those glasses he could be a different person oh absolutely because that's what, he, what Seymour has to have done sure. essentially yeah. is you get to see a different side to Seymour um, and what he's willing to do to essentially save Audrey from her problem yep. at the moment of Oren Scrivello DDS <laughs> 
Well, and I think, too, going back to that portion of the conversation when Errol was talking about, um, you know, when Seymour buys the leather jacket, he sees that this is what people who win, this is what they do. So then I need to do this if Audrey's going to notice me. And you you have to have, like you said, that right amount of nerd, but then somebody who is also willing to, like, like almost be malleable who they are to change themselves in a way to make Audrey notice them. Yeah. Like in my head, if this were on a stage, I want like fog machine backlit. Yeah. First time Seymour enters. It's just like, yes. you know, and it's just smoke billowing and he's like riding up on his white horse and be like, yeah. And like his glasses are ah. off and like they're in his pocket and he has to have that nerd moment of like, oh, I can't, I, I can't see without my glasses. Oh, and he has to pop them back on. Oh, you know? Oh, that's like he's, cute. He's playing these both sides or something. Hell yeah. But I, I just, there's something about, I just want to make sure that whoever we end up with has this duality. Sure. And I think it needs to be there. So Matt Doyle was a high contender for me in that, in my initial thoughts of this. I also kind kind of thought um Elijah Kelly. Ooh. Oh. That's Oh, Steven, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you've well. done this before. Weird. <laughs> Huh, strange. <laughs> okay, so we have a few players in contention yeah. for Is that a word? I sure. mean, sure. Uh, Sounds great. <laughs> I'm drunk. Um, I don't I, know any better. I know, uh, but you know, I like. What do we call it? I'm. I'm a. Sh- I'll Shakespeare this word. I will. I will wordsmith this to death. So, Love it. Go. My thing is, language is malleable. Side plot. <laughs> Side plot. Thank you for giving me a reason to push the button. <laughs> if, if you know what I mean, and I know what I mean. That's the whole point of language. Yes. Right? Yes. Because I have communicated so who, to you. Yeah. Who cares? No one cares. The communication was sent and received. You yes. Know? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Everyone else listening wasn't part of the conversation. So, f*** <laughs> off. <laughs> Love it. Love that. Beautiful. Okay. So, we have some nice people in contention for... <laughs> Whether that's a word or not, I'll probably, I'm literally gonna like wake up in the middle of night and I'll have to Google it just to make sure. And you're gonna text me when you figure it out, and it'll be, like, be lovely. Mary, it's not. Mary, Mary it's, it's not, not a thing. <laughs> Mary's not a thing. <laughs> um, Audrey, let's talk about Audrey. Who Ooh. do you think? Now, let's play off of the combo we had with Errol. Sure. An immediate person who came to my mind who would kill this: Alex Newell, currently killing it in Shucked. Ooh, sure. Non-binary, so uh, uses all pronouns. Sure. Um, also a very big advocate for the trans community. And Love that it. adds a layer. That adds a layer to all of this. Absolutely. Another person within that realm, I thought, because she just came off of her stint in Chicago as Major Madam Mama Morton. Yeah. Jinx Monsoon. Yes. She would also kill this role as another non-binary, you know, sort of thing. Absolutely. However, one can also go down a traditional path, I suppose. Sure. The, oh gosh, she has such big eyes. Sarah Highland. Uh, give me, now I'm the one struggling with names. Give me a- Sure. Sarah Highland, I believe, was the daughter in Modern Family 
and she's now hosting Love Island. (laughs) Oh my God, shut up. Oh my God, absolutely. Oh, one, oh yes, yes. And she has a great singing voice too. Oh, fabulous. But do I consider her like traditional, like do I think anyone would think of her as an Audrey? I don't know. But she popped in my mind as she has this characteristic of like amazing, huge eyes. So one could also put in, um... Emma Stone. Oh yeah. So I'm ju- I'm just looking for people who have their niche, who are special in some way, that right. have like that thing, like Ellen Green did. Like she took, Aww. and it was her, it was Ellen Green's voice. So what can we do that isn't a voice? Because that's already been taken. Right. Like I said, that that jersey is retired. So we right. need to figure out how what else transforms this person. So. Oh my God! All of those are excellent contenders. Steven, how are we going to do this? What? Oh, my God. What? Ugh, I'm just taking notes as we're going along. I'm like, oh, my God, all these names. I'm just, <laughs> just you'll see me do frantically any, typing. Do you have any immediately that you're like, oh, maybe maybe this one needs to go into the mix? I mean, honestly, I don't think so. Because, like, I love the fact that we've got, we, you know, we talked, like, four people for Seymour. We've got four options for Audrey. Like, I think this is going to get, I'm really loving the conversation because, like, then it's giving us um, opportunity to, like, you know, kind of strike yeah. through things that we maybe, like, Yes, okay, great. We're going to talk about it right now, but then we go back later and it's like, eh, that really doesn't fit. Um, but no, sure. all of all of those, I mean, all of those humans are incredible humans. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Well, uh, the one I'm having trouble with, and I don't really have a lot of options in my mind, mm-hmm. at least, the dentist, uh, Oren Scrivello, DDS. Who Who's a good villain? Who would I want to pluck <laughs> out my teeth without, you know, that <laughs> Well, you know, when we talked about this in the last episode, he's got to be a shitty fucking white guy. <laughs> that is part of the part of the required part of the, part of the need. Part of the need. <laughs> what if it was opposite? What if it was like someone super charismatic and you would never have guessed that they would be the villain, you know, Ooh, like this is like yeah. Daniel Radcliffe in Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Oh, and you're like, wait, you're the villain. Like, what is this? But he kind of killed it in that, by the way, as a Sandy B stan. Also, great reference, by the way. I hadn't thought about that movie in a minute, and that's I. Oh, it has just gone into my rotation of things I'll watch like once every six months. Plus, you get to see Channing Tatum's beautiful booty. I know. I okay. Somebody who is charismatic that you wouldn't think was the. (sighs) I mean, you know, this kind of seems out of left field, but like. I don't I know. Love your left field. I, isn't it fun? It's a fun place to be sometimes. Um, so sometimes I venture there just for funsies. Just for funsies. Um, Ryan Gosling, you know, because I mean, La La Land, right? So if we had an Emma Stone, Ryan, right. I mean, not that Ryan Gosling would be like the love interest, but like we know he's got pipes. We know he can, you know, hold the thing because the dentist has to be able to have that one iconic song, you know, um, uh, what is it? Not now or do it now it's just the gas um because yeah. uh, you know again if i don't get it right someone's ears are gonna go the fuck she's not saying it right um <laughs> errol's ears just pricked somewhere as we're recording and he's like something's off in the universe something it's like do i smell ozone why is this wrong <laughs> oh no he's smelling gas oh no 
You know, like he's played the bad boy in a couple of things. You could really, he would be able to ham that up too, I think a little bit. Could be oh, an yeah. interesting, um, an interesting take on that, I feel. Um, you know, I mean, again, he's another film actor, but he's done a lot of um, song and dance is um, Gerard Butler. I mean, I feel like could be a very interesting. Totally true. Oh, I mean, when we already know he was Phantom. So yes, we do. We sure do. He was already sort of that villain. I kind of like that. Um, if we want to pull from Broadway, um, no. Why do we do that? Talking about it, having a podcast that? that talks about Broadway. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'm still drunk, uh, right? Remember? Anyway, moving on. Cheyenne Jackson. <gasps> mm. Oh, he just dropped the most thirstiest wetting trap I've ever seen in my entire life. There's no way that man is as old as he is. And I'm upset. And I'm thankful. <laughs> and Cheyenne Jackson looks like he would eat you. Like, and you would let him. Like, oh. it mean... Oh. So then what about Matt Bomer? Like, if we're going on this route, I if mean... we're going on that round? Like, what yeah. if, you know, I mean, just just make it Patrick Bateman Ooh. and call it a day, you know? I mean... <laughs> oh, why was he not in the running for one of our Patrick Batemans? That would have been lovely. I don't know, actually. That's what? weird. What are we doing? Well, what are we, we doing? I don't even know. <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> Who are we? When I think perfect human, I actually do think of Matt Bomer. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> and you know, okay, so let's go. Let's go on this weird little tangent. Go, go on this. Go on this journey with me. Go on this so journey with me. Trolloping through left field. Yay! <laughs> okay, so in a world where we switch things up, and this is our podcast, we get to do whatever the hell we want. Yes. What if the dentist was like, what did they call it in Rent? A headstrong lesbian. Oh. <gasps> Shut up. <laughs> what? <gasps> yeah. What if what if we like take this, spin it around, turn it around, flip it upside down and don't and right foot out. Would, and shake it all about. I would love for one miss Queen Latifah <gasps> to play that. Actually. Shut up, Steven. <gasps> you know what I'm saying? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> your jaw just like bouncied it trampolined off of your lap i i feel like there is there is a kink that just got unlocked like right then <laughs> queen latifah's her own kink jesus <laughs> I think you're going to have to give me a minute because I'm, I'm dealing with so many things right now. I can't, like, I can't Cheyenne probably Jackson function. And Queen Latifah just walked in and uh, demanding to pull out all of your teeth. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, We're my God. We're rating on this podcast. Ooh, we love you all. Thank you for ooh, continuing to yeah, put up with our shenanigans. Yeah. Shenanigan shenaniganry. 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 <laughs> oh, wait. Is that one of the cities you visited in Ireland? Shenaniganry? Yeah, it's the same place that you can find the Jameson Distillery and the Guinness Factory. It's all in the same spot. I think we have some good options. I think Queen Latifah is the only option. How dare you? <laughs> 
Oh no. Oh yes. Oh God. What if we just, no, make Queen Latifah play a shitty white guy and we just, (laughs) we just, we don't even mention it. We don't talk about it. We just cast Queen Latifah. We do. We don't even tell her what role she's playing. You're just like, you're just casting this. I'd buy it. She's funny. Then that's oh, kind of a comedic role too. And she's funny. God, can you anyway. imagine the scene with her just dying on the floor with laughing gas? Oh my oh. God. What a time. What a time oh. to be alive. Oh my God. <laughs> Barbershop five. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I can't breathe. That's so good. <laughs> person to discuss perfect and to be our mr mr mushnick uh mr mushnick when we initially talked about this <clears> in the first episode we had talked about how it is it is very much like um you know a, a jewish man right so it's but they ham yeah. up you know it was either you or errol had mentioned that like the level of like campiness when it comes to the jewish religion or traditions or whatever it is like the Absolutely. persona yeah was, we both agreed it was a weak part of yeah like the show overall is like some of like the anti-Semitic tones just surrounding him as a character. Yeah. When you don't have to play it that way. Like it no. doesn't have to be that way. But with a name, last name of Mushnik, it's just implied. Yeah. But I don't think you have to do anything more than that. Okay. Unless you, for some reason, that is within the vision of the director's <laughs> you know, world. And I, you know. Oh, Lord. Well, so then my question for you then is... When doing this, do we find someone who is Jewish? Like, like, I mean, do you think, think that that's a cons- the option? There is definitely viable. Like, uh, I accidentally and almost coughed up a hairball dropping his name last time. But though now, I think he could play really well, Danny DeVito. <gasps> Oh, see, da- oh, yeah, Danny DeVito would be pretty amazing. Um, so I'm gonna counter with Alex Brightman because I think, of course, you would. I would, of and I think would. he would be incredible in this role. I mean, side plot right now, he is doing the Shark is Broken on Broadway. They the shark just, is broken. they just, yes. or they're going to open that I think in previews, but um. I don't, I don't know. Like, I think he, cause he does, and he does actually, I believe come from a Jewish background. So I think that yeah. he would, I think he would be able to ham it up in a way that like wasn't disrespectful, but then also kind of like, oh, totally. you know, I mean, he could, you know, he would, I'm assuming pull in a lot of like a little bit of Beetlejuice, a little bit of school rock. Like, you know, he, he could, you oh, know, yeah. I think he would be incredible. Um, but he I think would be. he's I incredible. Give, in if we're pulling someone from Broadway, I think he would be a, definitely a top contender. I there. think he would be great. Uh, I mean, he's, he's such an old guy now, but I feel like he could really do it is, uh, Mel Brooks could totally do this in a minute. That he could. <laughs> just because, I mean. I'm literally just like, yeah, actually. <laughs> actually, like, why does that, why does that work so well? Hmm, I don't. What if it was randomly like, uh, what if it was like Nathan Lane? <gasps> oh, uh, Dead, slaughtered, yes, yes. I mean, I'm sure I'm amazed if he has not played this role, I am shocked. Kiss nope. me, touch me, suck me, f- what? What, lick <laughs> me, hold me, touch me. 
uh, producer's joke. Mel Brooks. (laughs) Exactly. I can't wait to talk about that show with you. That's going to be very fun. That will be another two-parter because that show is too big. Done. Yes. It's so big. Oh, Marilyn Monroe. Um, Tell me about how big it is. (laughs) Oh, I I just don't know if I can fit all of that episode into one tiny little spot but I can try I'll try my hardest Mr. Producer I really will I'll try ooh Marilyn would have been a really great Ula (laughs) (laughs) actually now that we're speaking about it wrong show don't care god damn it now I want I want the AI generated version of Marilyn Monroe (laughs) playing Ula yes out of it. Oh, anyway. uh, in a New York minute. Yes. Ooey So cute. So we have a lot of contenders. Do we, we do. want to create a final cast list I think of we all should. contenders? I think all we right. Should. Let's go through our Seymours now that we have all of our options on the table. Let's do a quick cut. <gasps> quick cuts. Oh no. Um, so the four people that we just talked about for Seymour, we've got Matt Doyle, we've got Elijah Kelly. We've got Noah Schnapp and then Sean McManus. Those are our four kind of people. But as we keep talking about it, my vote is for Matt Doyle. I would love to see him in this role, I think. Okay. Plus proof of concept taken. He was already that. (laughs) He he was already this character. I mean, yes, I know. But I mean, I'm saying I would like to see it because, you know, I'm the weirdo. If if we were remounting this film, recreating this 40 years later. Yes. would he do this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think he would. Okay, I'm down. Beautiful. I'm down. Great. I like that. Um, so knowing Matt Doyle yes. is our new Seymour. Yes. Your Audrey choices, Alex Newell, Jinx Monsoon, Sarah Hyland, and Emma Stone. Oof. I know. These are also vastly different. I know. So do we want to play up this non-binary idea of somewhere that's green, all they want is normalcy with, so we have to like almost separate this. Yeah. I love a good continuing this idea that, you know, a person of color could absolutely play Audrey and, and you know, yeah. we, as we mentioned, really the only sh- white guy should be <laughs> the uh, yep. unless, you know, you're Queen Latifah. I'm loving an idea of Alex Newell. There's something weird about <clears throat> every time I see Alex in a show, uh, they love to play empowered sure. people. And so it would be weird to me to see them not be that. To kind of so be more of a, be a great acting exercise. Sure. Or it's the fact that they wouldn't want to do it. Sure. Something about Jinx Monsoon playing this is more proper to my mind. Okay. Just because I think there is a layer of comedy that is needed and they could absolutely play that and be a good representation. Sure. Now, she's my pick. They're my pick. But if we wanted to go the other way, what would you say between Sarah Hyland and Emma Stone? What makes more sense to your mind? Um, you know, I really like the idea of Emma Stone because she is like that. I've seen her in multiple different roles where she has been kind of a powerhouse versus being a waif. So like I'm always drawn to her in that way because she has the ability to be able to kind of chameleon like that. And, you know, I think this is one where we can converge and say like 
let's if one goes this way this if one goes that way yeah that. yeah and i i'm totally happy casting both beautiful i love that all right so let's move on to orin scrivello dds you just you said queen latifah and my brain is just like no other option matters broken just, yeah See, but and if we're in this like gender bent like just queen latifah playing this person oh my god i'm in would be hilarious I'm in. so in a weird alternate reality i think it's perfection oh yes but let's but let's get down to business i think out of the ones we were most excited about i should probably give your names really quick before you pick uh ryan gosling gerard butler cheyenne jackson and matt bomer we were most excited about cheyenne jackson uh, yeah it, yeah it's true because it makes sense. It really does. I think he looks it does. he's 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 handsome and debonair, but also I would believe he's creepy enough mm -hmm. to play a and white guy. So yes. So then uh last person that we'll go to is Mr. Mushnick. Uh again, our four contenders, Danny DeVito, Alex Brightman, Mel Brooks, and Nathan Lane. Radio silence. I know. For a film version. Who hits? Who hits right? I mean, for me, it's Nathan Lane. Yeah? I think so. So Alex Brightman would be my number one, if I'm real with you, which probably makes your heart happy. I mean, but it really it does. I don't but... think in comparison, age-wise, to everyone else, it makes sense. Unless we lower the age of Mr. Mushnick, and then does that make it even more funny that he wants to adopt Seymour? Right. I mean, yeah, because I think, I mean, I feel like Alex is in his 40s, I think. So, like, yeah, and Mr. Mushnick has to be at least in his, like, 60s. So, you know, I would, knowing that, like, I chose it, I mean, you know, strictly because, you know, he's he's got the pipes, he's got the acting talent, he's got the Jewish background. Like, there's a lot of other things that are going for him, but I think you're right that he's not the right age range you could make him look the age range but it's not but yeah. you could tell that it's just not it's a it's a young guy in old makeup but nathan lane would be it in a minute i love the idea of danny devito i just don't know if he could because i don't think i don't think because mr mushnick has the the song miss mushnick and sons but like or mushnick and son but like I don't know if Danny DeVito could sing that. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard him sing. Well, he was the goat in Hercules. Yeah, but did he actually sing that, though? Because, like, there were half the people who didn't sing their songs. They've got people who speak. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, it speaks singing. Uh, correct. Correct. You're right. So. I don't know. Yeah. My vote's for Nathan Lane. I think he would kill that. I think at the end of the day, he would be the best. Mm -hmm. Safe choice. And I think he would knock it out of the park. Yeah. Your final four of our Little Shop Quick Cast, your Seymour is Matt Doyle, Audrey, Jinx Monsoon, Oren Scrivello DDS, Cheyenne Jackson, and Mr. Mushnick is Nathan Lane. With an alternate as Emma Stone. Correct. Emma Stone is your alternate as well for Audrey. Play for fit. Mr. Mershnick. <laughs> Emma Stone, just Mershnick. Mr. Mershnick. I told you I'm drunk. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> just keep pouring, girl. I got you. Glug, glug, baby. Drink, uh, lick it up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I point to my motorcycle and get us going to that one magical land that we love to go to called What If? Oh, it's so pretty, but sitting on the back of that motorcycle without your side saddle has hurt my ass. So, uh. <laughs> Are you complaining again, girly? No, no, doctor. Sorry, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. All right, babe. 
So what's your, uh, we, we've talked at length about a lot of different things. I mean, we've, you know, we, we just gender bent a couple of things. Like we've talked about, you know, in our last episode, there was a lot of, there were a few what ifs that got dropped. So I'm, I'm curious to know what is, what is your thought exercise for this evening? My gears have been going ever since Errol brought this up. So it was posed that, uh, this plant, Audrey two chose one of the hardest people to convert. Sure. And he went as Errol went as far as to say as Seymour was the hard would be the hardest person to convert. Okay. I think Errol got that wrong. <gasps> I think there's one other person that is potentially harder to convert, and that would be our true hero of the story, Audrey. So what if this plant went after Audrey? <gasps> what? Okay, that's an excellent ooh, okay. So hard to convert in the sense that it is hard to make them buy into the idea of what is happening or like talk to me a little bit about yeah. that before we start convert talking about to it. To be like Seymour is the one who has wishes and wants to get out of Skid Row. So does Audrey. Seymour happens to be a plant expert and starts feeding this plant blood. Sure. Doing all of this, we then see the catalyst and the the motivations and things grow throughout the course of this musical Mm -hmm. that, oh, I'm willing to kill Oren Scrivello DDS in order to get the girl that I want, which is part of my wish list of sure. things that he's wanting from this plant who has supposed magical powers mm-hmm. or force forces in the universe that can force things to go his way. Now, my if is if instead, let's say Audrey was the one who said who was given the opportunity to have all of her wishes come true. Mm -hmm. And what does the story then look like? Would this plant have grown as big as it did? Would she have given into it and given her literal blood? Would she have asked for different things that ultimately led to a different ending? Or is this just, is this like, would it have eventually gotten where it did? Just with her as our main protagonist. I mean, for the first part of the question, would she have fed it blood? I think she probably would have because she is submissive as a character. Yeah. So like. I, I thought of that as well. Yeah. She's, I, she's will, already essentially willing to give Orin blood. Yeah. You know. Every time he hits her and she doesn't say anything like that's emotional currency that she's buying into the transaction that she's not going to say anything and she's going to just yeah. make excuses for why he treats her that way. Um, So I think she would absolutely give it blood. And I think that if, you know, like, but once it got to the point that it started requiring, like, you know, full-fledged humans, I, I truly don't know if she would have been able to have it in her to kill people. I think once it got so bad that she couldn't give her own blood or, like, give it meat or whatever... I think that she probably would have, she would have tried to find a way out. Here's the thing then. Enter then the guy that she's, the guy pining for her, willing to help her in any way possible. Yeah. Is it just a different way around to the same demise? As in, I think then there's opportunity for Seymour to enter and be like, oh, what do you need? Oh, let me do this for you, which is essentially what she did for him. Ergo, he's going to go try to off Orin 
to feed it. Oh, so then it becomes a you're going to do this because you love me and I know that you love me and I know what's happening. So now we're including more people in on the, we yeah, know I what's going yeah. on. So I Interesting. Think it has, yeah. I think it splits off into a couple possibilities where the plant just doesn't get what it wants. But the problem is Audrey is so submissive in a way. Yeah. That- What's she gonna do? She's I mean, she she has a hard time saying no. She's that pleaser. She's that one who Yeah who's probably gonna try, try to figure it out, but she's not gonna have a way. And Ergo, no. good writing, good plot, good structure is saying someone has to come in on the white horse and say, I can do it for you. And then it also gives, like, this weird kind of moment where Audrey almost has the opportunity to, like, manipulate Seymour into doing it. But, like, then we don't know whether or not she's actually manipulating him or if she's, like, playing the victim and going, I don't really know how I'm going to do this. And he goes, no, babe, let me save you. Which still lets suddenly Seymour play out like it should because she still feels she ruined a perfectly innocent guy that was the man of her dreams. That's so freaking smart. Wow. So I don't know. I feel like that's how it would go, but maybe not. Like, what's the alternative? Because the the story dead ends, but I don't think that plant would have taken no for an answer. What uh -uh. do you think? No, there's no way. I mean, not especially like going back to the the idea that like the plant is coming down to earth to try and like fix us because we are the disease and we are the problem. It knows what its prime directive is. And so like once it gets to that point where it's strong enough to be able to do, all it was doing was needing an opportunity to get to the strength level it needed to be able to continue its work. It didn't need like anybody. Truly, Audrey 2 doesn't need anybody. Audrey 2 needed somebody to like germinate me and make me big enough that I would be able to do stuff on my own. Because the second somebody walked away from me, I am such a, you know, I'm such an attraction. Somebody new will come along and I'll be able to manipulate them just like I did you. And it's about, you know, it's about the showmanship of the plant. Audrey 2 will always find a way to be able to get what they need. On top of it, instead Uh, of Seymour being clumsy and like showing up with bandages and all We would have just believed that Audrey be, you know, being beaten up by Orin or whatever. It already has its own explanation built into it. It already has the explanations and people say, I walked into another door, you know. Oh my God, Steven, that is smart as f***, dude. That's awesome. (gasps) I love that. This is what I've been thinking about. I love that. Since our our episode. I'm like, wait, I, I think Audrey is maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. of the best person as yeah. opposed to Seymour. I mean, hardness level, we'll figure it out. But right. I think it also picked Seymour because they do have an interest in plants and they knew what to do in the early portion of it all. Yeah, I don't think Whereas Audrey, all, even with her working yeah. at the flower shop, I don't think she would have had the wherewithal to be able to have actually like done you know, the things to keep it alive. So I don't know. That's I don't know. But that was good... my... Yeah. I just thought it was interesting and like I thought it could create some fun differences but uh, does it, would, it, would it create the same ending who knows so I love everything about that that's so good well ooh Mary is is that an eclipse it's getting really dark I, I think we should I think we should just let it happen and not talk about it
I couldn't help but notice that strange and interesting plant in the window. <laughs> that is an iconic story. Oh That's my iconic. God. It's so good. Thank you, Mr. McCartney. <laughs> That's so funny. It was pretty good. I, I, lo- I am the worst at that. If I'm on stage, I will f*** with you. <laughs> and I will f*** with you so hard in the ensemble. No. If you get me alone with you, you need to be scared. Uh, which is why I'm glad we were never alone together on stage for Spring Awakening. God, it's can you so imagine? Bad. Okay, well now we just need to be in a show together where that can happen because uh, game on. Right. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. One of my favorite little side things is I was doing, I was originally assistant directing Peter Pan and choreographing. Mm-hmm. Then some of our cast got sick and I had to fill in for a few Oh nights. no. So I became a pirate. <gasps> I Steven's love a it. Pirate. I mean, come I on. love you're, it. You're just supposed to bumble around and be stupid in this show. Yes. My best, my best, the bestie friend, uh, Miss Tiffy. Oh, Miss Tiffy. Tiffany. We've referenced her a couple times. She uh, was our lovely Peter Pan. Oh, I love yes. that. Neat. So it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> there happened to be a moment. Oh no. Where pandemonium is happening on Captain Hook's ship. Oh, of course. I am, a, but a scared pirate because pan has disappeared into the cabin of course and we're all we're all scared and peter pan in the show has to reappear over the side of the boat oh sure um, with like cloaking and she, you know all and like i'm hobbling around sneakily like scooby-doo style love it but she every night would come up here right next to me and you know we're peas and carrotsing of course watermelon rutabaga aardvarks and, yes and i'm going like oh my gosh i am so scared oh <sighs> I have to pee. <laughs> I hear <laughs> right next to me. No. Which is bad timing because oh, no. she has a very distinct line that continues the story for her to be thrust up by her wire. No. Oh, no. And she can't get it out because she's curled over. <laughs> She's supposed to say, look, it's the man with the hook or whatever. So to signal the lost boys to pile out. Right. She can't get it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, it was really good. That's my favorite little (gasps) side. I'm with everyone on stage. Oh, my God. I didn't mean to. And I'm like, (laughs) sorry. Oops. Oops. (laughs) I was just in character. Yeah. On my level. Fine. You're not. Get on my level or get out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Steven, I love you so much. That's so good. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, that McCartney story is actually iconic. Thank you, Mr. McCartney. I don't know if I could have gotten through that. No. That's that's hilarious. I would be dead. I'd be dead. We're back from what if. We, yeah. we did the damn thing. We did. We, 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 we got that LLC and business license. We did our own little little shop. Oh, I sold love some it. Horrors. Yeah. <laughs> we sold some horrors and some horrors because every musical's got to have one. Yes, uh, every musical has a whore. Uh, and this music- one was uh, was Audrey uh, our whore. I, I mean, I think. Actually, I feel like Seymour was more the whore because he did everything. Seymour's that, the whore. Yeah. He just did everything he was told. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Little bitch. Oh, get it. Um, what are your final thoughts on Little Shop the musical? Oh, man. Well, my final thoughts, Little Shop of Horrors. The, I mean, this show invokes an emotion no matter what. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I think it is such a part of people 
that true like, I think I said this last time it's truly Audrey'd its way throughout the world yeah. and everyone knows what it is and we're all just sort of a victim to it like mm-hmm. we know what it is it's the same issue of it's the earworm that you say little shot people will immediately burst out into one of the iconic songs that come from this sure. and you know it I think it's gonna stand the test of time I 100% agree and you know do nothing but echo those sentiments. I think that there's, uh, through this conversation, we have, at least I have discovered a lot of uh, things that I otherwise would not have thought about. Uh, there are some themes, some underlying themes at work that like the whole capitalism thing that we talked about was something I never, like I, I like I saw it was there, but I never really like thought to dive deeper into that reference. And I thought that was really excellent. And I, I truly think that I go back to this often whenever I need a good pick-me-up because the the music is something that has always pulled me in um, and the story itself while it is so campy is just still so relatable because there are you know everybody's wants and dreams are different but like what would you do if given the opportunity to have every one of your dreams come true like would you do that and this story kind of shows you exactly one of those things that would happen And, you know, it's kind of like, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Like, what did Seymour do for, you know, for everything he ever wanted? And he found out he was in hell, you know? So it was, I don't know. It's just, it's a really, it's a great show. And I'm just, I'm so thrilled that we got to have the conversation. And, you know, of course, to have our guest in studio was super fun. Um, But, you know, now we come sliding into the end with (laughs) with clippers and I'm pruning I'm pruning the leaves to make this thing look pretty. But I don't know what it is. So you're going to have to remind me of the clue and tell me what we're doing next time. I I don't. Well, the clue for next week's show Mm -hmm. was uh, our protagonist is in love with an inanimate object. And we talked about her and hope like we wanted her to be a musical because then if it was and that would be it. I have I have been out of the country. I have been doing that. I still don't know what the hell this is. Well, you were actually really close to where this musical would have taken place. Shut up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh if I say I wouldn't want to get a shave from this person, nor would I want to eat a meat pie from the person below them. Oh my god! No way. No way, really? No. Oh, yes, it is an extension. It is my hand. It is my arm. Oh my god, we're doing Sweeney Todd! Hell yeah! Uh, uh, He has an uh. entire love song all about his lovely... His razor. Razor. So this is really great because I have actually been privileged enough to see this. I've seen this twice now and I'm going to save it for the show, but damn, I'm ready. Oh my God. Josh Groban. Oh my God. Okay. I'm here. It's fine. (laughs) Watching him do the song at the Tony's. Oh my God! He, them. Oh my God! And Analia Ashford. Uh, so uh, good. Literal, just icon. Can we just not? Like, I am dead. Literally, put me in a meat pie. I am dead. Just mm, slain. <laughs> what would you taste like? No. Anyway, we'll save that for the show. But uh, <laughs> I'm so no, excited. I'm excited to get into this. Uh, Admittedly, this is not one of my favorite musicals. Really? Because it's one again, of mine. It's in, one of mine. For in a sure. season about death, it's weird to not put this. Obviously, we have to. 
So um, I'm hoping I can find a love for our demon barber of Fleet Street. I and even if you don't, there's there are a few there are other things you can love. You don't you don't have to you don't have to love the demon barber. You could you could. I feel you, you Joanna. Joanna. Oh. Mm. That just makes my heart so happy. Again, thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to us every single week. Steven and I are unbelievably floored and flattered and grateful that you guys have stuck with us from the beginning of these shenanigans to now. And it's only going up from here and we only see good things happening in our future. Um, again, wherever you're listening to us, make sure you rate and review us. Uh, subscribe. Hit that follow button. Hit that little bell on Spotify so you never miss an episode of your favorite musical theater cast and review. If you want to join in on our conversations, please follow us on Instagram from the top underscore podcast. If you would like to send us an email about the things that you love, the things that you hated, the plants that you think might take over the world and the Audrey's that need to find some sort of mediocrity. You can also email. It's em- definitely going to be the fern. It's, it's going to be, be the, the fern. fern it's going to take us over, man. <laughs> you can also email us at podcast from the top at gmail.com. And this has been an excellent way to come back in the country to get recentered into my life. Speaking with you, Stephen, is always one of the highlights of my week. So this was absolutely necessary and very needed. Um, so until next time, this has been From, From the, the top, top, a Wandering Unicorn production. So if you had to choose a plant that would take over the world, that's not a fern. What plant takes over the world? Whatever plant is sitting in Cheyenne Jackson's living room, I will absolutely care for and tend every day of my life.